what I want to share with you tonight, I hope, will be a help to you. I know that whenever I learned this years ago, it was a tremendous, tremendous help for me. I believe that God has things in His Word, and He puts them there in a way in which sometimes we see that and other times we don't. But it's good when certain truths are brought out uh, from the Scriptures because in seeing this particular thing, it was in a difficult time for me in my life, and that helped me to understand and to see what was going on. If we can understand and see what's going on sometimes in our personal situation, you know, seeing uh, the work of God, how He's moving, that will help us greatly in cooperating with Him. It says in the Bible that we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, the methods he uses. It also says in Psalms, speaking of, of um, Moses, that Moses knew the ways of God. So, so you have these two things moving in the scriptures in, in quite a few places where the ways of God are there moving. And you have the wiles of the devil or the enemy who's involved in doing certain things. And in being able to differentiate what is going on will help us to walk where we need to walk, to do what we need to do, to give God what we need to give God in the situation, to accomplish and fulfill His purpose in that. Don't think that the situations of life are are of no value. Don't think that the situation that you're in can't produce much of anything. Because I'm telling you, and I'm going to show you tonight in the scriptures, that there is quite a bit that God wants to do in you personally in any situation that you find yourself in. Now turn with me tonight to the epistle of James. And I pray that the Lord would help me bring this out and would help you to see this uh, in a clear way so that it would help you in your Christian walk. James chapter 1. Now, who has another translation here other than the King James? What's yours? Good, I might use it. I actually, uh, I don't like bringing three Bibles with me, so sometimes I'll, I'll take another translation, and I'll take that and put it in my notes. But James begins his epistle here, and he says some things I want to look at. Now, we'll just start with verse 1, but I want to get down to verse 3 here. James, a servant of God... And of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now this is as far as I'm concerned. I don't want you to think this is a negative thing. This isn't going to be a negative uh, thing to dwell on the negative here. 
But this is going to be extremely positive if you see it the right way. My brethren, count it all joy. The word joy has different meanings. One of them, if you'd look it up in the Strong's, would be calm delight. <laughs> count it all as a calm delight, delightful. When ye fall, and that word fall means it has a meaning of a movement. There's movement there in that verb. Movement and impact. When you fall into diverse temptations. Now, I want to stop there for a minute. The word temptation here, the NIV probably has another word it's using. What is it? Trials. Trials. If you look that word up, you will see it means testings or trials. How is it possible, Lord? <laughs> We're not in a hurry, I hope, right? Good. How is it possible that I can feel calm delight in different trials? Well, I'm going to tell you this. If you look at the test and you look at the trial, and that is the focus of your heart, and that's what you're seeing, the test, the trouble, the problem you're in, then you are going to miss out because you're not going to see what God is going to do through that, and you're not going to see the outcome of that. Now he goes on. My brother encountered all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or testings. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, the word there in verse 3, trying, means, I should write this down on the board, but you can re remember it. It means testing, testing. Now, if you study quite a bit and you get into the word, when I study, I guess I do it differently than a lot of people, I'll see a verse, and I'll look at the words in the verse and start looking at the meanings in the Greek or the Hebrew, and you find out after you study for a while that the translators, when they translated the Bible, what they did was they took the Greek text and, and the Hebrew text, and the, the translators sat around, and they took the Greek word, and they said, okay, now, in English, what word best describes this Greek word? They're only going to use one word. And many times, the word they used wasn't the best word. That's why you have many different translations. And sometimes what they did was they'll pick a word that was in usage in the language, and it would be okay but after 30, 40, 50 years, that word dropped out of usage, and then the word, you know, people didn't have the meaning of that word. They didn't understand the word like they did before. And I, I was thinking about that. Now, today, young people, just stick with us for a second. They say, oh, man, this is cool. This is sweet. How many of you ever heard that word? Turn that fan back there onto on. Mary Jane? It is. it is? Okay. 
How many of you have ever heard kids say, oh, this is sweet? Now, in the 60s, I'm going to show my age here. In the 60s, that same word was groovy. <laughs> that was groovy. Now, if you say that to a young kid, they're going to say, what in the world are you talking about? That is, I don't even like that word. It's like, who uses that word? Now, I said that to show you how, how much in 30 or 40 years just that one word in the English language has changed. Well, you had that with, when they wrote the Bible, especially the King James, a lot of these words uh, that they used are out of usage today. And then the translators wanted to put the Bible in a readable form because most people are going to read the Bible. They're going to sit down and read it. They're not going to take it, pick all these words apart like some people do. So I find when I'm, when I'm studying sometimes that in the same verse or in two verses is the same identical Greek word, but they use a different English word. And they do that, they'll use a synonym, and they do that to give the Bible readability so a person can sit down and they can read it. But whenever you start to investigate and look at some of these words, you find out that, for example, in verse 2, the word temptation actually means testing or trial. Verse 3, knowing this, that the trying, now that's okay, that word, but it's actually a better word would be testing. The testing of your faith worketh patience. Now... In James 1.13, it says this. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Oh, excuse me, that's not the right one. Verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man with evil. So the Bible's saying there very clearly, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Now, Hold your place here, because we're going to come back. Go to Genesis 22. And we're going to come back to this Genesis 22 also. But I just want to show you one verse. Verse 1 in the King James says this. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now, I thought I just read over here in James that it says that God does not tempt any man. And now back here in Genesis, it says that God did tempt Abraham. Well, I mean, that word's okay to put in there, as we'll see. But a better translation in the actual meaning, if you look the word up in Genesis 22.1, it actually means test, that God did test Abraham. Now, let's turn to Matthew 4. How many here have ever been tempted? <laughs> now, I know you all can raise your hand. How many here have ever been tested? Where you actually knew God was testing you? Probably a lot of you, if not all of you. Now, I want to show you something from Matthew 4. Now, this is whenever Jesus is in the wilderness, and we're pretty familiar with 
this portion of Scripture. But I want to read a couple verses here anyway. Verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, Jesus, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, who in this verse is doing the tempting? God or the devil? Satan. Exactly. Verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy, holy city, and setting him on a pinnacle of the temple... And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall uh, give his angels charge concerning thee. Now, who is doing the tempting there? The devil. Okay. Is God tempting Jesus? No. Satan is tempting Jesus. Very clear to see, correct? Is God involved in what's going on here? The answer is yes. Look at verse 1. Then was Jesus led. Led. He was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. In these two circumstances, or this circumstances, this particular circumstance in the wilderness here. Two things are going on. Satan is tempting Jesus. God is testing Jesus. Satan is tempting, as we saw in James. Don't say that God's the one doing the tempting. God is testing. So in the same identical situation that you find yourself in, two things may be going on. You may be tempted, and you may be being tested. Both of those have an end. One is an end that is away from God. Satan wants to draw you away. He doesn't want the purpose of God fulfilled in your life. He doesn't want you walking with him, with God. And so he wants to tempt you and move you out away uh, over some other place where you're not moving in the will of God. On the other hand, God wants to test your faith. He wants to test you. Not because he doesn't love you. Not because he wants to be mean to you. He wants to test you because he wants to bring something out from this situation that is going to be enduring, it's going to be everlasting, it's going to be something that you carry with you when you leave this life. And so the circumstances of life have there in them these two realms of possibility. Either we can allow the enemy to sidetrack us and, and take us out and away, or we can stay there and allow the Lord to have his will and have his way in, in our lives. God tests quality. Whenever there is gold, you know about gold, right? Gold is heated, it is tried, it is 
you know, put over the fire, heated so the impurities come out, so that that gold at some point will be pure. Do you have a desire in your heart? Jim was talking about integrity. Do you have a desire in your heart to be pure and someday stand before God pure? I hope you have that desire. And if you have that desire, God will work in your life. And one of the ways he's going to do that is the trying of your faith. It is very, very nice to know when you're in a situation what is going on. It really is, as I said earlier. Because now the Lord has revealed that to you, and you can cooperate with Him, you can, can move with Him, you know what to do, what not to do, you know, things start to become more clear, and God can, can continue His work in your life. Now, let's go back to James for a minute. I want to read this verse. We'll read it out of King James first, and then I'll, I want to read it out of the NIV. Let no man, verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man, for every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, or entrapped. Now, I like the NIV in this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each of us, or each, each one, is tempted when by our own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. So, so the enemy of your soul, the one who does the tempting, comes and he wants to see in you if you have an evil desire, any evil desire. It doesn't matter what it is. He is very, very deceptive. And Satan is a spirit being, and he can see in spirit, and he can see the spirit, I believe. I'm talking about the spirit of man. So that when he comes, he knows if there's something there that, that, that he can get a hold of. And he will work and do certain things to try to influence you, mainly through your mind and your thinking, to move you, or as it says in that verse, to drag you away. Drag you away from what? Drag you away from what? From doing the will of God, from walking with God, from the purpose of God, from what He wants to, to get from you in a situation. The enemy, you know, wants to take you out. Have you ever been in a situation? Now, I can say this stuff because... I've done it. Have you ever been in a situation and it was really pressing you? And you said, that's it. I've had it. I had enough of this. I'm getting out of here. I want to get out of this. And, and I believe if we're honest, that almost all of us, if not all of us, have said that as Christians. Well, we don't know. See, we, we feel the pressure of that, but we don't understand. We... we, we we don't see with our spirit the tremendous benefit 
that can come from that. I'll share this with you. Years ago, uh, when I was a single, young, vibrant man in my 30s, you guys are in your 30s, vibrant, you know, young. The Lord had shown me in, in the scriptures. Uh, I was actually teaching the book of Ruth in the Bible school, and I was actually teaching it up here in, in Sunday school. And the Lord showed me how that uh, God brought Ruth to Boaz, and how he brought uh, Rebecca to Isaac, and how he brought Eve to Adam. And I'm, I'm seeing this pattern in the scripture. And the Lord, the word of the Lord was very, very powerful. And he reveals this truth. And, and I knew that he was saying to me and showing me not just to teach it, but to allow that to work in my life and walk in the thing. You know, knowing the scripture, seeing it, that's one thing. That's good. But remember... God tests that word, see, because he's interested in it being in you in a quality form. And so I was working for the post office, and I'm up in Pittsburgh, and I could tell you within probably a year's time, I ran into and had opportunity to meet, go out with, you know, date, whatever you want to call it, with Christian women, some of them were very beautiful. The one girl was very beautiful. And I just chuckled. I laughed. You know, I just, because I knew. I knew what was going on. Here was two things. I'm a young, young vibrant man, not married. And here's this beautiful woman. And the devil wants to tempt me to move away from God, to just go and fulfill my own desires. Very powerful thing. On the other hand, I saw that God was testing that word, that which he revealed to me. He wanted to make it life in my life, in my heart. And now I had a decision. And thank God... The Spirit of God was powerful enough in my life for me to make the right choice. I, I just ignored him. And, and it was so funny because it happened one time, and I thought, well, hey, great. I passed that test. Wow. I'm just thinking that, you know. And then here it goes again. A couple months later, and it was worse. And then six months later, it happened again. But I could see, because I understood that, two things were going on there. There was the temptation and there was the test. Was I going to remain in the right place and allow the trying of my faith? Because the trying of your faith works endurance, is a better translation. King James says uh, patience. So we think of patience, you know, well, I don't have patience with this person or that person. It's talking about endurance. Endurance for what? Endurance to stay in the test and endurance to move out through that thing. You know, because there's another one coming down the road eventually. The trying of your faith 
worketh endurance. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 12. How many of you have ever experienced that where you are in something and, you know, you do okay and, you know, you don't, you know, walk out? I mean, if you do, if you, if you fail, that's okay. You know, God can continue the work in your life. You know, God doesn't give up on you as long as you are willing. You know, we can fail as Christians. God doesn't give up on us. You know, don't beat yourself up. Just walk with him. But have you ever been in a situation and, you know, you pass the test only to find out that the same thing rolled around again and again and again? Now, I know I'm speaking to some people here tonight. See, don't get discouraged. Do you want to leave this life with something of eternal value? Do you want to have the characteristics of Jesus? You know, I was looking through the hymn book at home today, just not this one, a different one, paging through this, and I'm thinking, one of these days, we are going to, to, to see Jesus Christ. We're going to, to be right there, we're going to see him, the one who we read all about in the Bible, and all these books were written about, and all these hymn books were, were written about, we're going to face him someday. Do you want to face him with something of eternal value? Do you want to face him having some of the character of Christ in you? Well, I sure do. Or whatever you can do. <laughs> whatever you can do. I don't know what you can do, but whatever you can do. Please do. We are so narrow-minded and so... Uh, Seeing today, we, 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 we have our vision locked on today, and we don't see what will be. You know, how much time do we have left here? I don't know. You know, our, our lives can be going like this. This might be the last message I ever preach. I, I don't know. So, you know, this Christian walk is, is pretty serious. I mean, you don't want to get all... In bondage, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. Oh, i got to pray every day, 10 hours a day. No, relax, please relax. Walk with him. Walk with him. Allow him to bring, don't bring yourself into the temptation. Don't bring yourself into the test. God's well able to do that. Don't worry about it. He'll bring you into things. He'll give you the opportunity. He'll give you quite a few of them. Oh, yeah. Good. It's great. In Genesis 12, this is talking about Abraham, verse 2. God says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So, so God tells him that he's going to make a great nation of him. Now, has the Lord ever promised you anything? Given you a promise? You know, once in a while, the Lord gives you a promise. He shows you something pertaining to you personally. And it comes to pass relatively quickly. But in my experience as a Christian, that's not normally the case. God is not in a hurry. God takes his time. 
You know, we are in a hurry. We don't like to wait. We want everything now. But God's not in a hurry. And many times what we see, the Lord's going to do a particular thing, you know, with our lives, with us. You know, many times that is not as close as we think. It's, it's, it's right there. We see it. It's real because we see it. But the, the outworking of that, certain things have to happen before that, that comes to pass. Now, here, here Abraham is told, I will make of thee uh, a great nation. Verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham uh, was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. So he's 75, right? Now I'll turn over to Genesis 21. Now Genesis 21, God says he's going to make a great nation out of Abraham. Well, you can't make a great nation out of Abraham if he doesn't have any children. So in chapter 21, now his wife Sarah conceives. So now this is the beginning of the fulfillment of that promise, the beginning. Uh, verse 4. And, and Abraham circumcises... Wait a minute. Is that the right verse? Oh, verse 5. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. So we just saw he was a few chapters back. He was, he was uh, 75. Now he's a hundred. Twenty-five years of Abraham's life went by before the beginning of that. That, that scripture is not fulfilled yet, but the beginning of it is starting. 25 years. See, but, but God has to test Abraham's faith. Don't think for a minute that Abraham wasn't tempted. Don't think that Abraham, oh, he's the you know, patriarch and, you know, he... He just walked with God and, you know, did all these great things and, and that's it. No, every single person in the Bible that you read about had testing and temptation. Had to deal with both of those. Chapter 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things, after what things? Well, we're not going to read them, but... In, in the context of what we're looking at, after God was at work in his life, after God was testing him in certain situations, Abraham has to pass certain tests. You know, when I was in grade school, you had to pass the test. I don't even know if they do this anymore. You know, at, at um, second grade, you had to pass certain tests to move to third grade. Third grade, you had to pass certain tests to go into fourth grade, and, and so on. What makes us think that God is going to take us as Christians from first grade to twelfth without some type of test? Oh, I'll, I'll put a cheat sheet on my arm. That's <laughs> not happening. And it came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham. How is God going to test Abraham in chapter 22? 
He's going to ask him to take his son up to Mount Moriah and offer him. Well, how is Abraham going to do this? This is amazing that he goes and takes Isaac. Now, now Abraham, he's remembering the promise that God said, I will make of thee a great nation. And now there's Isaac. He's the beginning of this promise, I'm going to make of thee a great nation. God tells him, now take that and sacrifice it on the altar, Isaac. Take your desire. Take what you want here for that to be fulfilled, that promise, and put it on the altar. Now, Abraham would have never been able to do that if he had not gone through certain tests and temptations and, and passed them, going to the next thing, the next circumstance in his life. And, and, and by the way, that which is written is not all in the life of Abraham. We don't know everything he went through. This is just some of the highlights. And he had to pass the test maybe nobody saw. Whenever I, I was in, involved with that, what I told you before, um, God was testing me. I didn't tell anybody. Nobody knew it for years. I don't even know if I've ever shared that before. But, I mean, it's, it's not important. The important thing is that you pass the test. That you say, God, help me. And I was praying. I said, Lord, help me, because I know that in and of myself, I, I, I can't pass any test. But I know that if I, 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 I just throw myself at your mercy, and, and I trust in you, and I look to you, that somehow, some way, your grace will come, and you will be enough to pass the test in my life. You are enough. I am weak, but you are strong. I have desires, Lord. Make them your desires. And so God works with Abraham. And, and over the process of time, so to speak, brings him from first grade to 12th grade, and now he's going to go past that. Take your son up. And this was quite a test that Abraham had to, to believe that God would provide an offering. Remember, in the land, there were many, many uh, tribes of people, you know, in, in the Canaanites and um, the Philistines, and a lot of them, if not all of them, were involved in idol worship. And one of the things that they did was sacrifice their children. And God even says in his word, you're not supposed to do that, but he tells Abraham to do it. You be obedient to me. So uh, there's Abraham. He's got to go. Now, I realize that Abraham was before the, that promise, but he has to trust in the integrity of God. He has to trust that God knows what he's doing. Have you ever thought God doesn't know what he's doing? Lord, why do you want me to do such and such? Why, why, why this way, Lord? You know, there's got to be a better way. Well, if there was a better way to get what he wants in your life, he'd do it. Let's go back to James. 
chapter 1, verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh, worketh, works fully. It will accomplish endurance. See, you as a Christian need to endure. The trying of your faith will help you. It will bring endurance into your life. It's, it's amazing how many times you see, and I've been a Christian many, many years, and you know, have been in church for years and have seen individuals who start off fine and walk with God for a time, and then they, they, they lose you know, their, their, their desire or they just they fizzle out. And there can be many different reasons for that. But if an individual is allowing the Lord to test them, to do what he wants in their personal circumstance, that builds an endurance like running. You know, you start running, and then you run more. You start with a mile, and then you run two miles. Before you know it, you break that barrier where, where now you can run four, five, six miles. Why is that? Because now endurance has been built in the runner. God wants to build endurance in the Christian, and in order for him to do that so that you can continue on, not just for five years or 10 years or 20 years, that you can continue on all the way your whole life till you pass off the scene. For that to happen... I mean, it's good to pray. You know, God will give you strength, those that wait upon the Lord. But this in the scripture, you see this everywhere. See, God wants to build endurance in you. The word test, I looked this up in uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Because sometimes I, I get these, these meanings in the Bible, and I just check to see what the dictionary says sometimes. And I thought this was interesting. Test. This word means an examination, observation, or evaluation. That's one of the meanings. I thought that was pretty good. Examination. Who's doing the examining? The Lord. He's watching. He's watching you and I. How are we going to react in our circumstances? How are we going to react to him and to others? You know, are you going to have an attitude toward your fellow workmen? And I'll tell you what, I work with some people at times where, you know, it's easy to get an attitude toward them. Very easy. But see, if you know that God's watching and you, and you, when you do that, you know, God will, you know, hey, what's going on? You know, you know better, you know, just come down, come down. So, so whatever it may be, whatever situation. God can be in there. Testing. Remember, please remember, he wants to build character in you. and He wants to build endurance in you. And I know some of you are characters, but that's not the kind of characters I'm talking about. I'm talking about the character of the Lord. So in James, the trying of your faith. Your faith. Um, I looked this up in a lexicon. It's called Lo and Nita's lexicon. It's, and it says the word trying means Genuineness on the basis of having been tested. So you have the test, and the test 
proves what is genuine and what is not. Uh, verse 4, let patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. Let me read this from the NIV. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. You hear that? Not lacking anything. So the test is only part of it. See, don't get your eyes on the test. Now, I've talked to you all about this, so you're getting to build a, a foundation here. Don't get your eyes on the test. Don't get your eyes on the problem. Get your eyes on Jesus Christ, because he is going to be your help and your strength in the test. And what's going to happen is you're going to move out from that, and you're going to have something of value when you move out past the test and the temptation, whatever's there. Once you move past that, and I don't mean necessarily that you're completely out of the test, but in your heart, you are walking with God and you pass the test and you move out in your heart. Now you're not bound. Um, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect an entire, complete, whole, that you would lack nothing, nothing. Now, we're, it's getting late, and I was going to go into Genesis 37. Are you still with me? Do you want me to wind down, or you want me to just go on a little more here? You want me to wind down? <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? close your eyes and relax. Genesis 37. A couple of verses here. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm teaching and preaching this, and this is very serious stuff. And I, I, I have a sense of humor. I believe God has a sense of humor. You know, those of you that know me well know I have a sense of humor. And uh, I believe that's good. You know, sometimes we get too serious about things. Uh, sometimes we get too serious about the wrong things. But this here, I believe, is something that is really important for you to see that both, the, both of these things can be going on in your situation. That will help you. That will really help you to, to move with God in this. Now, in Genesis 37, we'll read a couple of verses. <clears throat> Verse 5. This is uh, dealing with Joseph. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told his brethren, and, and, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were, we were binding sheaths in the field, and lo, my sheath arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaths stood round about and made obeisance, or they you know, bowed down to my sheath. So, so Joseph here has this dream. And he knows this dream is from God. It's nice to have God show you something. I've had two dreams that I can really vividly remember. That's really strange. You know, as old as I am, only two dreams. Both of them were related to something that was going on in the church, uh, so, some major problem over the years, 
uh, that God showed me in a dream. Showed me, and I thought, well, this can't be right. I woke up and I remembered it too. You know, it's like, wow, I remember this dream. And the Lord would show, was showing me something in that dream, and I just watched. And sure enough, that thing came to pass. Joseph here is given this dream by God. And you know how it is when the Lord shows you something? Have you ever had the Lord show you something, and you're, you're so excited about it? It's, oh, this is so great. Wow. And then you go and you share it with somebody, and it's like they get a pin, they go, and you're so excited, and, and they just shoot it all down. Well, that's what his brothers did. Do you think we're going to bow down to you? This bothered them so much so, you know the story, that they take him and sell him, throw him into a pit uh, and, and sell him. Let me see. And it came to pass, verse 23, when Joseph would come to his brother, brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water. Uh, verse 28. Then there passed by Midianite merchants, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they, they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now, <clears throat> Joseph... I believe, was tempted by the devil here. He has this dream. He knows this dream is from God. He knows it. He shares it with his brothers. Now, the devil uses his brothers. They throw him in a pit. They sell him into slavery. He's taken to Egypt. God was testing that word in him, testing it. And Joseph had the heart where, where he said, Lord, I believe, you know, whatever. I'm keeping my, my heart soft in this situation. You can keep your heart soft in your situations. Now, I say that because I've gone through things. I've been in, in, in some bad situations in my life. And, and, and the choice comes, well, will I, you know, allow my heart to get hardened? And will I say, God, why is, does it have to be like this? Why are things like this? God, you're not fair. What did I ever do? All I'm trying to do is serve you. And look at this. Look what happens to me. And, and you know, we, we think like that sometimes. Some people do. And Joseph had reason I mean, really, to think like that, and he didn't. He was able to keep his heart soft. And you know the story how eventually he does what's right, and even by doing what's right, he ends up in prison. In prison. Go over to chapter 39, verse 19. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his, of his wife. And this is when... Um, What's his name? Potiphar. Joseph was in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph. And this is where we're picking up. It came to pass when his, his master heard the words of his wife, which he spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, Joseph, that, he, uh, that his wrath was kindled, 
And Joseph's master took him and put him in, uh, in the prison in a place where the king, okay, etc., etc. So now Joseph endures this situation where the devil is at work tempting him through this woman. And God, once again, is testing the word in him. See, this is all through the scripture. All through the scripture. Now, will Joseph come out of his situation as pure gold? Or will he not? Will the Christian, whoever the Christian is, come through their situation and come out being tried, uh, coming out with certain things of value, or will they just come out of the situation without anything of value? Turn to Revelation. We're going to come back to Genesis because this is just two more verses I want to read. But Revelation 3, verse 10. Because thou hast... And he's talking to the church of Philadelphia. Because thou hast kept the word... Of my patience, or another way you could say that is, because thou hast kept the test, because you have remained faithful in the test, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them uh, that dwell upon the earth. So, so in this thing here, the, the church, whatever was going on, the past or whatever, he passed this particular test, and the Lord commends him for that. In Revelation 2, verse 10, now look at this. You'll see the devil involved in this, this process like we've been talking about. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. So he's involved in this, you see. He's going to be the one who casts some of them in prison. That ye may be tried. See, the Lord tells them this is going to happen. He says, but when you're there, you're going to be tried. God is going to test them in that place. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. And I will give thee a crown of life. I will give thee a crown of life. Go back to James. It just brought a scripture to me. James 1, 12. Blessed is the man that endureth the test. For when he is tried, the word tried there means approved. When he comes out of the test successfully... He shall receive the crown of life. Well, what's the crown of life? The word crown there, I, I was looking at this word today, and the meaning that I see there from the Greek is another word you could use that even sounds better. Maybe you understand it better. He shall receive the reward of life. Now, now, he's talking here to Christians. Now, we know Christians have life. But what he's talking about is a, a, a greater, fuller, deeper life and walk 
with Jesus Christ. So he says that, that afterward, whenever you come out of the test, whenever you're approved, you will receive this reward of life. You will be rewarded with more of the life of God than whenever you first went into the test. See? Revelation 3. We're going to come back to that scripture eventually, I think. Revelation 3. This is um, him writing to the church at Laodicea. Verse 18. Now, Now listen to this Christian. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. See, the Lord is after a quality within you. As you go through whatever test it is, you are buying from the Lord gold. And it's not the natural physical gold. This is the gold that has been purified in the test, in the trial, in your situation. Maybe nobody else knows about what you're going through. No, maybe nobody sees what you have to deal with. Only you and the Lord. And you know how that touches you sometimes emotionally. And how that bothers you sometimes. Maybe whatever it is. And if you can get your eyes on Jesus Christ, you will be able to buy of Him in the test gold. You will come forth with integrity. You will come forth uh, with a purity like, like the gold. So the dross. See, that's when we're in some situations, some of the dross comes up, you know. God's there. The Holy Spirit just scoops that off. More heat there. Oh, there's a little more. Okay. Now, in this particular thing he's dealing with, now there's a purity. Now we're going to move into another area eventually. Another circumstance. Another test. See, God wants to bring a purity in your life. And the enemy of your soul wants to draw you out and away from that. He doesn't want you to have the character of Christ. He doesn't want the things of God to be in you because that can become contagious because eventually God will use you to minister or touch other people. He doesn't want that, but God wants that. He wants you to look like him. Back to Genesis 45. Now remember, Joseph has gone through the tests He did nothing wrong. He did everything right. Now, if you're doing everything right, why would you have to go into a test? I hope that you know the answer to that. (laughs) Because God wants to bring something of value into your heart and life. He wants to produce endurance. He wants to produce a pure gold. And, And this is how he does it. Joseph says this in verse 5, chapter 45. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. He's talking to his brothers that sold him into slavery, that hated him. They would have killed him if it wouldn't have been for his one brother. They would have murdered him. 
Don't be angry with yourselves. Can you see the integrity in his heart after all that? He never had any bitterness toward them at all. For God did send me before to preserve life. Pure heart there. And I like what he says in verse 11, just the first part. And there will I nourish thee. See, Joseph had something. And this was talking about, when he says that, about them coming to Goshen. He was going to, to feed them because it was a famine. But there's more to it than that. Because he passed the test, there was a purity, there was this gold, there was this integrity of character in Joseph that now he could nourish his brothers who at one time hated him. See, you don't get that just by being a Christian. Just by going to church, just by studying or reading the Bible, you don't get it that way. You get it by going through certain things with God. I mean, that's, that's the method. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you anything different. That's all I, that's all I know is what, what, the, what the Scripture is teaching there. First Peter. Now, you know that whether you're a Christian or a person, you know, isn't a Christian, everybody goes through things, Right? You know, your neighbor who, who isn't a Christian may be going through some circumstance. Maybe it's a, a difficult thing. Maybe it's something that you went through at one point. Or they can be going through something that's very similar to you. So it doesn't matter who you are, Christian or non-Christian, you're, you're going through certain things. Uh, what's the scripture in Job? Man is born unto trouble. As the sparks fly upward, what's the sparks? The sparks of your shoes? No. It's talking about a fire. When you, when you see a fire burning, you know the sparks that go off? That testifies to me when I see a fire. Man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. That's the way it is. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. But you as a Christian have a tremendous advantage because you can walk through a circumstance, the same one here as your neighbor, and you can come out with something of the character of Christ, and you can come out with this pure gold. You can come out with uh, some of the character of Jesus. Endurance. And that's what's available. 1 Peter 1, 7. That the trial or the test of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perish, natural gold. At, at right now, it's like $950 an ounce. You, know, you have 10 pounds of gold, you have some money. The trying of your faith, being much more precious than this physical gold that perishes. Though it be tried with fires, talking about your faith. It might be found unto praise and honor and glory. Might be found. That means that if you and I pass the test, if we pass the test, then it is found unto praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Tremendous. This is as far as I'm concerned. I mean, nobody likes to go through difficult things. 
in life. But we will, whether we're Christians or not. It's just the way it is. But the opportunities, I have prayed so many times in my life, Lord, help me, help me, help me to avail myself of the opportunities that you're giving me. You know, at work, no matter where I am, that Lord, somehow, some way, be strong in my life, teach me, bring to my attention, because I know I'm not too smart sometimes, What's going on so that I can see, so I can move along with you, so that you can do in my life what you want to do? Because the time is short. The time is short for us. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Help me be a better husband. Help me to minister life and healing to my wife. Help me to be a better, better father. You know, help me, Lord, to walk with you. You know, so that, so that we can glean certain things along the way. Chapter 4 in Peter. Now, the, the context of this verse here in chapter 4 is, is uh, the Christians suffering persecution. You know, the, the early church suffered quite a bit of per, physical persecution. Uh, we in this country haven't experienced that. I, I know a man uh, who was an AG minister. <clears throat> he was brought up in the church, uh, Pentecostal church, and um, he said he remembered when he was, his father was the, the pastor, and he remembered when he was like five and six years old that whenever they would, would go to church, that a lot of people in the neighborhood, they didn't like you know, the, the church and the people, uh, they thought there were a bunch of holy rollers rolling under the pews, you know, and you know how people think. I mean, I've rolled under a pew a few times, but that's, I guess I'm a holy roller, I don't know. But anyway, he said that, that he would be, at a young age, he would be pelted sometimes with eggs. Parents dragging him, not dragging him, but taking him to church. And, and, and him, you know, I don't know what he thought, you know, what, you know, whether he liked that, probably didn't like it, but he ended up being a minister, so it didn't hurt him. But for the most part, there's not much or any physical persecution in this country. Our persecution comes from a different way. Now, whenever I'm, I go to you know these foreign on the foreign field, I was in Guatemala many times. They think that because you're an American. You know, life is like living on cloud nine. You don't have any problems. You have nothing to deal with because you have money in your pocket. And I tell them, you have no idea. You deal with the money aspect, which is difficult. But we deal with other things and other spiritual attacks that you may not have to deal with. So, so God, somehow, it's the, the playing field is level. He can work doesn't matter where you are in the world. But in this context here, uh, it's talking about persecution. Chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Um, let me see here. To try you, to try you. Okay, that's good. As though some strange thing 
happened unto you. So he, he's telling them that you're going to experience this fiery trial. You're going to be persecuted. But don't think it's strange. Just walk, just walk with God. Walk with God. Okay, let's turn to James again. Let's See, I don't get to minister too often here at night. So I'm taking my liberty. <laughs> I asked you if you were in a hurry. You said no. So I'm going to take you up on it. Stay with me. James 1, in verse 12. Okay, let me see here. Blessed is the man who temptation when he is tried, when he is tested. To test here means to test your quality. Test your quality. Blessed is the man that endures the test. Why is the individual who endures the test blessed? Because when he is tried or when he's approved, he shall come forth with something of eternal value. Blessed is the man. Back to verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. That's why he says this. Because, see, James is living in a place where he has experienced this and he knows what, what this is about. And he's trying to write to the church and tell them that this is a beneficial thing for you. It's going to do something of eternal value in you. Now, let's just read a couple verses. Turn to Malachi, and we'll close. Malachi 3, verse 3. And he, the Lord, shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver. He shall sit as a refiner. So there you are. And the Lord's just kind of looking at you. And he sees your heart. He sees where you are. He sees you in the situation. And he's just sitting there. You know what a refiner does? Years ago when they refined metals, they had the fire and they had the big bellows. You know? I, that's, what, that's how I relate this anyway. And have you ever seen they had the pedal? And there he is, the Lord's there, just watching. He wants to refine. So he starts pushing on a pedal. What happens? You know what happens to the fire. It gets hotter. Well, what are you trying to do to me, Lord? You know what? Being a Christian just burns me up. Well, I hope it does in a good way. And the Lord just sits there and he watches. Now remember, he is a good God. He is a good father. He is your father. And he loves you very, very much. So much so that he's concerned about you. And he wants you someday when you leave this life, when you pass on, and you stand before the Lord, he wants you to have something that you bring with you. And because he knows that we don't like the fire, and because he knows that we don't like the refining process, 
And because he knows that we don't like the tests and the temptations, because he is so loving, and because he loves you so much, he will do for you what you would not do for yourself. And I don't know about you, I don't particularly look to walk into tests. It's like the scripture in, in Deuteronomy. He says that, you know, these are the cursings if you do such and such. And he goes over and he says, and, and these are the, the blessings. He says, now, if you do such and such, that the blessings will follow you and the blessings will overtake you. It's like they're coming up behind you and they want to overtake you. Well, God is commanding the blessing toward us. And I can honestly say this. Now, I couldn't say this uh, when I was in certain things. But now coming out of them, I can say it because I see things from a different perspective. Even though I saw what, what was going on in the situation, it doesn't sometimes, it doesn't make the pain of it any easier. But coming out of it, now you see something's different. You see that God has done something here within you. And I can honestly say that the work of God in my life personally, some of the, the, the things that he did, some of the um, more in-depth things, the workings, happened in those places, the places that I didn't care for. Some of the best places I can see now that, as a Christian, being in them brought me on. And, and, you know, that's because we don't see like he does. But that's okay. God loves you so much, he'll help us. And don't think you're in the problem alone. We're not. Zechariah. That's a couple books in front of Malachi. Zechariah 13. Verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass. That's not the scripture I wanted. Oh, 13. Did I tell you 13? Excuse me. 13. I thought, what's that for? <laughs> Sometimes the Lord does give me a scripture, and then I, I, I turn around and say, no. What was it about this, Lord, that you wanted to share? 13.9, okay. That was a good scripture, too. And I will bring uh, the third part through the fire and will refine them as, as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. You know, where will you learn that the Lord is really your God? Job. You don't have to turn there. This is from the Amplified, and we're going to close. But he knows the way that I take. He has concern for it, appreciates and pays attention to it. When he has tried me, Job says, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as refined gold, pure and luminous, pure and luminous, coming forth. And Job did. Did Job have any tests? 
Did Job have temptations? Sure he did. We all do. Let's close in James. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be uh, perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Then he goes on and says, if you lack wisdom, if any of you lack wisdom, then a mask of God. Wisdom about what? Uh, wisdom about the Bible, wisdom about this, wisdom about that. No. If any of you lack wisdom in, in your situation, let a mask of God. He'll, he'll show you what's going on to some degree so you can walk your way through it. Now, I hope that this has been an encouragement to you because now when you experience temptation or test, you know, whatever it is, you can hopefully discern whether it's a temptation or a test. If it's a, tempta if it's a temptation from the devil, you resist that. If God is testing, you submit to that. Allow him to work. And remember that you need to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, not on the test. And allow him to bring what he wants to bring to you and work in you what he wants to work in you. Accomplish that with what he wants to accomplish. Blessed is the man that endures the test. For when he is approved, he shall receive the reward of life. You will have more life at the end of that than you had before that. Now, I hope that that's something that will help you as you walk as a Christian and, and, and see that, that God is after something good for you. Okay? All right.